Hey there, I'm Serial. And I'm Umberto. We are the hosts of So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia, from Diochis to Yazdegerd III. Yeah, if you're interested in looking at the kings of Persia throughout history, from before the famous Persian Empire to the end, tune into our podcast where we talk about all the lives of these different kings. And we have a friend with us. I'm Trevor Gully, host of the History of Persia podcast, where I cover everything from about 700 BC down to 700 CE. However, we're here with a bit of a different project this time. I'm here with Umberto and Sariel to steal their podcast for a one-time live event. What are we calling this event? A choose-your-own Persian history podcast <laughs> on Sunday, March 5th at 3 p.m. Eastern and 9 p.m. Central European time. We will be going through a hypothetical reign of King Cyrus III. What if Cyrus the Younger won the Battle of Canaxa and became King of Kings, but with a bit of a twist? For this live event, we are going to do a Choose Your Own Adventure podcast, where you, the audience, are going to add your comments into the mix and choose which divergences from real history Cyrus the Younger is going to have to go down in our hypothetical. And then, when we get to Cyrus's death, wherever that happens to be, we are going to follow So You Think You Can Rule Persia's ranking scheme and decide whether or not Cyrus the Younger would have been a Shahan Shah or a Shahanah. Nice. Tune in for this roller coaster. It'll be very fun. And you can get tickets at moment.co slash history of Persia. I didn't pick the URL, they just gave it to me. I think they created it before I even agreed to do the podcast. <laughs> I feel like this was so chaotic. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I think it went rather please. well. And welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diochis to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto, my pronouns are he, him. Hello, and welcome to episode 27, which is to say Seleucus IV Philopator, which is following the great enthusiasm of Antiochus III that we just went through. The sadness and the disappointment and the excitement all in one package that we're now going to follow the aftermath of and see how that goes. Still have not recovered. Yeah, it's a hard thing to recover from. Many never do. Yeah, many never did. So Lucas IV, (laughs) Philo what? Philopator. Can you guess what that means? Friend of fathers? Good father... I'm going through Philia. Yeah, friend of the father. Yeah, oh, (laughs) yes! Yeah. Friend of the father, lover of the father, however you want to. Philia, to like be a friend or a lover, like to like something and then pater. It just sounded like pater, like father. Father, yeah. So what? Yeah, I was like, this is what I'm going for. But I see, (laughs) I have no idea how this would be like a reasonable nickname. So I guess you'll explain Got along with his dad, I guess. Yeah. So he's daddy's boy, yeah. is what you're telling yes. me. So Luke's the fourth daddy's boy. Ah, good, excellent. 
Yeah, the Ptolemies have mommy's boy, daddy's boy, sister's boy, although that one has a different connotation generally among the Ptolemies. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, stuff. Okay, so I guess we can start with a quick recap of the whole honkin' big episode that Antiochus III was, and then we can dive into figuring out what happens now that we have no Colossus in the world anymore. Ugh. All right. Oof. Everything went so well, and then it went so terribly, and now I, I am depressed again. <laughs> well, it's only downwards from here, so uh, look forward to that. Uh-huh. Fun. So, what happened last episode was that Antiochus III took the throne as an 18-year-old with three different parties trying to manipulate him, trying to aim for the throne. Then the empire exploded in civil war. The empire was reduced just to Syria, its smallest extent in all its history so far. But then, bit by bit, Antiochus defeated all of his rivals, all the people who were trying to control him, managed to reconquer Anatolia, reconquer all of the East, basically being the first person since Alexander to go back to India and put back that under India. his at least official control. Yes. <laughs> and then he took control of Persia again took all of Palestine from the Ptolemies, and then he went all the way through Anatolia, conquering all the lands there, being the first guy since Seleucus I to cross into Europe, and found a colony there in Thrace. And then the problem was when he met with the Romans. Ugh, the Romans. So due to a minor disagreement that wasn't supposed to end as it did, there was a massive war sparked due to some minor rivalry between Greek city-states. And then Antiochus was defeated one time in Greece by the Romans. Then he fled back to Anatolia, where he met them in one last final battle, where he was unfortunately defeated and forced to abandon Anatolia forever. And in the end, Antiochus had to deal with some rebellions in the east of his empire. And when he was trying to gather funds by ransacking a temple, he was just killed by an angry mob. So, and this leaves so us anticlimactic. Here. I can't. Yeah, it's... Yeah. yeah, I feel like it's very Jason being crushed by the rotting hull of the Argo at the end of his life. Yeah. It has that vibe for me. No, but that at least is poetic, you know? It's very like, oh, the Argo yeah, okay. in the end yeah. did kill him. Like, it's a... You know, this was just... Yeah, nobody knew who he was and <laughs> he did this thing and angry villagers, yeah. you know, understandably angry, just got to him. Yeah, sad. But now we're looking at his son, using the only other Seleucid name, Seleucus. Good. Great. Let's see how that goes. So, he was born sometimes between 220 and 215, mm -hmm. as the second son of Antiochus the Great and his wife Laodike, who was the daughter of the king of Pontus called Mithridates II. And as a consequence, he is our first part Iranian king since Antiochus I. Because the kings of Pontus descend from one of the six nobles that helped Darius the Great take the throne from Bardia, all mm -hmm. that story. So, hooray! We have at least somebody who is vaguely Iranian, even though in a very limited capacity. Yay! But Seleucus grows up. He doesn't really expect to succeed his father on the throne. He expects to have an advisory role. In fact, he is given control of the European territories as mm -hmm. a viceroy for his father, mm -hmm. while... His elder brother Antiochus, the prince Antiochus, 
was co-king and expected to succeed. But, as luck would have it, or misfortune, depending on your point of view, well, Antiochus the Prince died in 193, leaving Seleucus to be the de facto heir. So, Congrats. there we are. Now he is in the spotlight. Also, weirdly and kind of grossly enough, Seleucus inherited his brother's marriage. No! So he inherited his brother's wife. That's not how it works! That's not how any of this works! No, and if you remember... Prince Antiochus was married to his sister Laodike. Yeah. yeah. And now Seleucus gets to marry his sister Laodike after she was married with her other brother. No. Which sounds like a terrible time for her, honestly. Jeez. I don't expect she was consulted much. What is going on? So that's not fun. No. But I guess that's a thing that had to happen for <sighs> dynastic reasons. Uh... Oh, well. But now that Seleucus has become the heir, he helps out his father by governing Thrace during the war with the Romans in the early stages. And then later on, when things haven't gone very well in Greece, he moves over into Anatolia and besieges the city of Pergamon. And there he is moderately effective. He does an okay job. But then when the final battle of Magnesia pops up in 189, mm. the final one where everything was decided, he was in control of the left flank of the army at, during the battle. And unfortunately, that was the flank that broke when Antiochus's chariots mm. passed through that area, causing chaos in the formation. So that's where everything began to collapse, unfortunately. But that's okay. Antiochus the Great is in his 50s. He can remake himself. He can re-get everything. Oh no, he was killed by an angry mob. Mm. So in 187, in his early 30s, Seleucus is now King Seleucus IV. Hooray. Hooray, long live the king. Got a lot to live up to. Yeah, definitely. If your dad's called the great, this is not ideal. So the situation here probably wouldn't have changed very much for Seleucus himself since he was already a co-king. Mm -hmm. But now he has all the weight of everything on him. He has to deal with all this empire, you know, the rebellions that were happening in the east the new state of Pergamon that has all of Anatolia now. Mm -hmm. The Egyptians might be wanting some revenge. It's a whole thing. Also, another issue that, if you remember last time, Antiochus had made some treaties of peace in his name and the name of Prince Antiochus. Yes. In the hopes that they would outlive him. But then Prince Antiochus is dead, so... Yes, so now basically all the treaties signed by Antiochus the Great are null and void. So Seleucus needs to build up a new relationship with everyone. Mm -hmm. So in the east, he could be attacked by the Bactrians, who seem to be focusing on India right now and doing their whole Indo-Greek kingdom thing, which is very cool, but not related to us. Mm -hmm. So they could just turn around and attack us from the east. Then in the west, there's Pergamon, which has just ballooned in size and is also backed by Rome. So that could be dangerous. Hmm. And then finally, in Egypt, the Ptolemies have sorted out some of their internal rebellions and might be ready to try and retake Palestine and deal with all that. Maybe. And there's also a weird thing with the treaty with Rome, because, well, the Romans don't really have a monarchy, so it's not signed in the name of a certain king. Mm -hmm. It's signed in the name of the Senate and people of Rome. So it's unclear if this treaty is still valid or not. Like, does Seleucus still have to make all the payments 
and indemnities towards the Romans, or is he excluded because, well, his father's dead and his father signed the treaty? Right. So it's all a little bit messy. And if you remember, the Romans had Seleucus' younger brother Mithridates as yeah. hostage. Yeah, oh god. That's true, that was terrible. So that's dangerous. <laughs> but also, the thing is that Rome hadn't been too intent on enforcing this treaty, even when Antiochus was alive. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember, Antiochus just let Hannibal escape. Yeah. And was just very slow in payments. And Rome didn't restart the war or anything. Yeah. They just accepted it. A little bit annoyed, but it was fine. So we're unlikely to have legions besieging Antioch right now, but, you know, it's always a little bit of a looming threat overall. Right. Yeah, so which direction do you think Seleucus is going to head in? Do you think he's going to try and follow his father's plan and reconsolidate the east? Do you think he's going to focus more on the new western areas, try and counteract Rome a little bit? What do you think his plan is going to shape up at, too? Well... If we're not too worried about Rome, I would first make sure that all of the treaties that my father had set in place are still valid. If that's a bit in the air, mm. then we might be in trouble. So that's where I would focus right now. Okay, you would have a different opinion to Seleucus then. Yeah, I, that's what I figured. Yeah, because he sees that, okay, the East, it looks like, okay, it's not crumbling yet. It's not stable, but... We can think about it later. For now, let's make sure that everything is okay with the Romans and keep everything in order on that side. I mean, that makes sense that he would be scared of the Romans because they just kicked our ass terribly. Yeah, because it's only been two years since the crucial battle where they kicked butt and forced Antiochus into a humiliating peace. Mm. So... You know, Seleucus wants to make sure that this doesn't mean that now the Romans are going to use this as an excuse to attack more. Or at least, you know, push Pergamon, who is their new pet in Anatolia, to attack more. So Seleucus tries to stabilize everything. So what does he do? He decides to build up a lot of alliances and treaties of friendship. So he builds up a treaty of friendship with one of the leagues of city-states in Greece called the Achaean League. Then he marries off his daughter to the new king of Macedon. So that's sort of helping out and maybe stopping things. And then he gets a treaty of friendship with Pontus, where his mother is from. So that bit of Antolia is sort of there, I guess. I love that it's called treaty of friendship. Yeah, it's a treaty of friendship. They're totally bros now. You know, best friends forever. So you give them a bracelet (laughs) and like... Yeah, they have nice friendship bracelets sent in the mail. It's great. It's very cute. It's a friendship bracelet that's shaped like a diadem. It's very, uh, it's very catchy. Adorable. So after making all these trees of friendship, Seleucus finds that, luckily for him, he just came to the throne in a good moment because everybody else was busy at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because Pergamon was consolidating their power in Anatolia because they're the new kid on the block. So they were fighting a war with Bithynia and Pontus, mm. where Seleucus almost intervened to help his uh, maternal side of the family, but they were too late to join. The peace treaty was signed early, so okay, it happened. Well. And on the southern side, we have that in Egypt, Ptolemy V was probably murdered. Probably? Probably. Is he dead, though? He is dead, yes. Okay, so he we're is, just... He isn't worried, half like, alive and We half don't dead, know yes. how it happened, but he is yes. very much dead. He has okay. died in suspicious ways. And also in what is going to become a bit of a theme, the kingdom fell under a regency for an underage Ptolemy. Of course, yep. 
But the good news is that, if you remember as part of the peace treaty that Antiochus the Great made with the Ptolemies, Cleopatra, mm-hmm. who is Seleucus's sister, is now queen regent of Egypt. Not that Cleopatra. A different Cleopatra. No, not that Cle- Previous Cleopatra. Cleopatra Syra, yes. She is now regent in Egypt, so she is the one in control of Egypt for her son. So that's good, because at least Seleucus is unlikely to be attacked massively by his sister while her child is still underage. So that's nice and safe and comfortable. Sure. That leaves the Roman problem, of course. Because at a certain point, some emissaries from the Senate come to Antioch and ask Seleucus... In something that feels a lot like a demon coming to make a deal, Uh they ask Seleucus for his firstborn son. Yep. (laughs) They already have his brother. Why do they want... Well, they're saying they want an exchange because, you know, the son of a king is worth more than the brother of a king. So they're saying, we'll give you back your brother, but we want your firstborn son, please. Sign here in blood. Thank you. Yep. Are you sure it wasn't the fairies? (laughs) It could have been fairies, yes. There are many similarities between fairies and Romans. (laughs) They're both tricksy and it happens. So, do you think that Seleucus is going to give his firstborn son? Or is he just going to say, no, screw you, you already have my brother, that should be enough? Mm, It depends. Does he care about his brother, personally? I mean, his brother, well, he hasn't seen him in a while, in like five years or so. Because the only difference here, apart from the very obvious political difference, is... One of the people mm. you know as a person and the other you might not yet because it's a baby. But I feel like Seleucus yeah. would care more about an heir than about his brother. Mm-hmm. So you think he doesn't go for it? Yeah. Okay. Well, again, you disagree with oh, Seleucus. But... You are two very different people. Oh my god. <laughs> I did think this would be the wiser... Okay, well, I guess he really liked his brother. Seleucus reasons this way. He thinks, okay, I could just refuse Rome's request and assert my independence and say no... I want to have my son, I want to raise my heir personally, I don't want him to be raised in Rome. But Seleucus is also thinking, things are very unstable right now, I need to hold the empire together from the earthquake that was the death of my father, so I don't want to anger them needlessly. Sure, it'll be fine, I don't... I have a backup son, actually, because he has two sons. Serial, can you guess their names? I don't know, Antiochus and Seleucus... (laughs) Almost. Do we have an One Alexander? One of them is called Antiochus. No, oh. we have a new name, oh. Serial. Oh. It's very exciting, yes. Oh, let me read this We down. have a Demetrius. Oh. Demetrius is his firstborn son. Demetrius. Good name. It's a strong name, yes. So yeah, Seleucus has Demetrius as his older son, and Antiochus is his younger son, so he thinks, yeah, if anything happens to Demetrius, maybe Antiochus can take the throne. <laughs> You know, I have a spare, it it's fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, you know. I had two for this reason. There we are. Oh, God. So Seleucus decides to prepare a nice backpack with some sandwiches for son Demetrius, hands it over, hands him to the envoys of the Senate, and he says, Bye, son. See you eventually, maybe. Bye. See you never. Okay. Have fun in Rome. If this were an anime, <laughs> the son would come back to haunt him and be like fully Roman, you know, converted and just like lead the legion in the final battle that kills his father. Or becomes like the main villain of the... Well, we'll get to see what happens to little Demetrius. Oh? Okay, I did not expect something so we'll interesting to happens. happen. I thought he would just like be of <laughs> political leverage and eventually get killed when he's not. 
You'll have to find out. Oh, we have okay. a few episodes on this family. It's a while. In the meantime, Mithridates is told, hey, you're free to go. You can go to Antioch if you like. But it looks like Mithridates doesn't especially feel like going to Antioch. Uh-huh. He just decides, you know what? I'm just going to stay in Athens and relax there for a while. Tells his brother, hey, you keep doing your thing. I'll be in Athens if you need me. Bye. This is maybe either because Mithridates was paranoid that maybe his brother would see him as a threat to the throne. And yeah. I just those got people never out of well. here and I will get killed now. Yeah. Or maybe he just felt like... In Athens, he could just live the life of a rich prince and not have to do anything. But if he goes back to the empire, he'd have to do some stuff. Actually work. Mm. But yeah, or maybe based on his personality, it seems like he actually got really into Rome. Like he was really interested in it. So maybe he liked being closer to that environment and decided to stay in Athens, which was... Traitor! Rapidly becoming part of the empire. Honestly, good for him. Yeah. But as we saw from the death of Antiochus III... Imperial funds were pretty low, and you have to raid temples to get them quickly. Mm. So Seleucus still has to deal with this problem to get the empire back on his feet. And also learning absolutely nothing from his father's death, he decides to ransack some temples. Oh my god, again? Yes. And the good thing is that we have a first, I don't know if it's a first-hand account, but we have a close-hand account, Uh however it is, of one of these temples being sacked. Or attempted to be sacked. Oh. Because one of the new provinces that are in the empire since Antiochus III took it for us is Palestine. And who lives there but the Jewish people who have their yeah. nice temple that was financed by Cyrus the Great and friends oh, yeah. back in the day. And that temple is looking very golden and shiny, oh, isn't God. it? Don't. Oh, come on. We had a good rep with the so, Jews. <laughs> Yeah, no. The like Seleucids are not the Jews' friends, unfortunately. That is not a good... It's, they don't have a good relationship. <laughs> no. So Seleucus sends his minister Heliodorus to Jerusalem to take the temple treasures and bring them back to Antioch so we can finance the empire with them. And from here we get a book in the Bible telling us what happens next. Mm. By the way, caveat, this book is in the Bible for certain people it's like it's canonical for catholics orthodox and coptic churches but not for the protestant churches or the jewish religion mm. so might be canon might be fanfic find out and you're might be canon might be fanfic your, you yeah, know your depends where you subscribe says. to there you are yes so we are told that heliodorus attempted to take the treasures but was driven away by angels oh and let me quote to you this angel encounter Because, of course. So, we are told that a horse appeared to Heliodorus and his men, with a fearsome rider, decked out with a beautiful saddle. While running furiously, the horse attacked Heliodorus with his front hooves. The rider appeared to be clothed in full body armor made of gold. Two young men also appeared before him, unmatched in bodily strength, of superb beauty, and with magnificent robes. They stood on either side of Heliodorus and beat him continuously with many blows. When suddenly he fell to the ground unconscious, his men grasped him and placed him on a stretcher. (laughs) On a stretcher? (laughs) Yes, they had to carry him out. So that didn't go great. We're not sure what Heliodorus wrote home about, but we can assume that he left Jerusalem (laughs) empty-handed 
after being mistreated either by angels or the local population. Yeah. Whichever version you'd like. But now uh, Heliodorus, when he returns home, he realizes that he's in quite a nice position, actually. And so he starts scheming, like every good counselor does. Of course. Because we're in late August or early September of 175, and all of Seleucus' children are underage. Hmm. One of them is in Rome, and baby Antiochus is five years old. Mm, yeah, not great. Also, Mithridates, who's the only other guy in the line of succession, is in Athens. Yeah. So, time for a coup? Yes, time for a coup. We are told that Heliodorus went and poured a little something into Seleucus' wine. Seleucus had a sip. He coughed once, coughed twice, and then he coughed no longer. For he was dead. And Seleucus died. Yes. We should have a little jingle for whenever someone poisons the king. Dee 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 dee, poison time. Poison time, poison time. Yes. So, we'll ask our audio team to work on it, so we have a good jingle. <laughs> what audio team? <laughs> we'll see. The audio team of me. <laughs> so, at long last, Seleucus is dead. His five-year-old son, Antiochus, the child, is now king, with Heliodorus as regent. Of course, because, you know, it's a child. Although, there is the possibility that this might be slander against Heliodorus, <gasps> and Seleucus just died of natural causes. Wouldn't that be convenient? Because someone who we're going to meet soon doesn't like Heliodorus at all. Oh. So it is possible this might be a a Darius case. Excited to find out. But anyway, Serial, this is our first Seleucid child ruler. Oh, We remember how well our last child ruler went. That'll be fun. Yeah, as well as they usually go, you know. Yes. Child rulers. So... We can hope for a rehash of Alexander the Fourth with <laughs> our next episode, which is going to be titled Alexander the Child. No, Antiochus no. the Child. Excuse me? Alexander is back? Yes. <laughs> Alexander is back from the grave and he's here for vengeance. <laughs> Tune in for that episode. <laughs> yes. Halloween. Okay, so I guess we can get to rating this shorter Seleucus the Fourth, who... Did not really live up to his father, let's face it, but... eh, Didn't have much time for it, so... Nah. Okay, so our first category is final moments. How interesting was his death? Maybe murdered by a counselor? Another poison. That's it, really. You know, Eh. it's mightly Eh. interesting. A bit, it might not even be true, maybe he just died. Yeah, I'm feeling very strong Seleucus III vibes, because... They both died prematurely due to somebody probably wanting to take control of the throne. Yeah. So I'm going to aim for the two I already gave Seleucus III, because it's... Yeah. Because, you know, it's an interesting murder. It has background, but eh. Mm. Matching the two as well? Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I have not much to add, sadly. Just... Mm. uh, Happens. Yeah. So, yeah, with the two and a two, we get a two out of ten for final moments. Next category is battle hardness. How good was he at war and fighting and conquest? Do we know? Uh, eh. <laughs> we have some personal fighting prowess because we know that he led the left flank during uh, the Battle of Magnesia yeah, under his true. father. The problem is that that flank was the one that broke and <laughs> yeah. caused the battle to fail. 
Mm, so, so you don't know. know how much credit we want to give there. And then otherwise, his reign was pretty peaceful. He didn't have any wars. He tried to join the war between Pergamon and Pontus, but he didn't make it in time. Mm. Otherwise, you know, he was just doing a careful balancing act, making sure everything was in order and not having to go to war. So, it's very meh. I'm wondering if it's even worth a token point for having commanded that part of the Battle of Magnesia. I mean, at least we have some information on him doing some kind of yeah. battle. So I would count that. Yeah, I don't know. Because if you're going to give him a 1, then I might give him a 0, because... We gave Seleucus II a 1 and a 1, and I don't think it's fair to call Seleucus IV the same. Oh, I see. They went through different experiences. Yeah, no, you know what, you have a point. I guess, yeah, I guess nothing. Are you going with 0, or are you going with a 1? So we I'll get a go one with total. a 0, you have a point. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm not gonna. I don't think the token point is worth it. So 0 and a 0 makes a 0 out of 20 for battle hardness. Next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots and deception? Um, he, uh, he was around, I guess. <laughs> his main sort of schemey thing is deciding to hand over his firstborn child, but yeah. that's stretching the definition, really. Not really schemey if it doesn't give you a particular advantage or if like it's not you know deceiving yeah it's just uh eh. yeah i don't think i can justify any points for scheming this i think it's just he's there mm. he was around he ruled stuff that's it yep so yeah i'm going for zero you as well i guess yeah he was not listen not this you know eh. so yeah zero and a zero gives a zero out of 20 for scheminess. Next category is shock factor. How shocking was he in his role? Eh? We have some stuff here. He married his sister, who was already married to his brother. Yeah, that was... That, I did not like that. That's not great. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd rather my leaders not marry their siblings and their siblings' former spouses, who are also their yeah. siblings. Yeah. Weird to inherit a marriage, you know? Strange. Yeah, thing. I mean, just in general, that would have been a bit off, but... If it's yeah. also your sister that's adding insult to injury. I know. Then other shocking things were, well, again, he gave up his born son. That's kind of shocking. I think it's worth some points, at least. Yeah. And then finally, he ransacked several temples and tried to ransack the Temple of Jerusalem, but was chased away by angels. Oh, yeah. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah. Has more to do with um, whoever wrote that story than... With him, but... Yeah, but, yeah. you know, he tried to ransack the temple that Cyrus founded. So, come on, man. Don't you have yeah, any respect bad, for bad our format? Right? Is technically your predecessor, according to our list. Have a little respect for list, your elders. Yeah. yeah, he's also a Shah and Shah. Come on. You shouldn't have done that. So, yeah, Shock Factor, I'm thinking... I believe this is probably going to be maybe his best score, but... Let me just break it into parts. I think the... Marrying your sister and inheriting the marriage, that's two points. That's worth a couple hmm. points. Yeah. Firstborn son, I feel like that's a one. That's, it's fine, I guess, you know. You were also being threatened by a foreign power. It's, it's yeah. a thing. Yeah, not that he, like, randomly decided. 
And then I would add an extra point at the end for the temple ransacking, because, like, he's not the first one to do it. His dad did it, but it's distasteful in general. Yeah, no, terrible. Actually, I hate that part. I think that's the worst of them all. Mm -hmm. I might actually add an extra point for that, now that you say Mm. that. Yeah, I think I'm going for a total of five for Shock Factor. What are your aims? And that seems, you know... It's out of 10, yeah? Yeah, out of 10. Yeah, that seems, you know, midway, because there were a couple of shocking things, but also it's not the most shocking king we've had so far. No, definitely So a not. 5 seems acceptable, actually. Okay, sounds good. So we can match the 5, so we get a yeah. 5 and a 5, gives a 10 out of 20 for shock factor. Yes. Okay, so our next category is then Eren Shine. How good was he for the Empire in general and Iran in particular? So let's recap his achievements. Right. He basically took an empire that was a little bit unstable at the end of Antiochus III's reign. Well, yeah, it, it, it ended up pretty badly. Come on. It could have exploded, I guess. You know, he managed to at least conclude some alliances, some treaties of friendship around the Mediterranean. He didn't provoke the Romans, but he also did kind of show that the Senate can just ask for your firstborn child and yeah. say yes, which that isn't is a great fair. image to yeah, give yeah, out. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, it's yes for peace, but also, come on, what message are you sending, really? So basically, the fact that he's bowing down to the Romans isn't a great yeah, look. obviously, yeah. So that's kind of meh. I mean, the mess wasn't his fault, right? But Yeah, but he still has to deal with that. Then he's also increasing taxes on the empire to try and pay these war debts. He's ransacking temples at home. Yeah, that's not great. I do. He isn't really following his father's plan to retake the East and reconsolidate it. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, arguably not great for Iran that it's being left to its own devices again. Well, finally, the most damaging thing is that he dies without leaving a clear heir, or at least an heir that's able to govern on his own. So it's not a great picture. I don't think it's, like, the worst we've ever had, but it's not great. Yeah, no, you're very right. Also, the ransacking, I'm still not over that. It's never a good look, so... I guess he wasn't great for the Empire, huh? I mean, it's a question of how bad was he, not a question of if he was great or not. Yeah, I feel like we're definitely worse off than... When Antiochus III died. So that's below a yeah. five for me. Yeah. How much worse off? I think a three is fair. Because everything is sort of together. I don't know if a three or a two. Because I gave Antiochus the second a two for leaving a messy succession at the end. <laughs> but I think under Seleucus IV it is stable enough to warrant three. At least on my side. How about you, Serial? It was worse than... Antiochus III, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I think it is worse off. And we gave Antiochus III... We gave Antiochus III 17 total for Aaron Shine. But, you know, he's um, Antiochus the Great, which yeah, fair yeah. enough. Or rather, yeah, no, not what we gave Antiochus III, but like what did give other people who came after... Oh, Antiochus after, II. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Antiochus II, who was the one that had the whole Laodike, Berenike mess mm. going on. Yeah. We gave him a total of three, you gave him one, I gave him two. Seleucus II got a zero because the Empire burst into flames. Seleucus III got a two because he he tried and then got murdered and failed. Yeah. 
Well, I guess at least one point for not bursting into flames, but I can't really go for more. Are you really that pessimistic? I think a three is fair. If I were to divide it, I'd say like a point for keeping the Empire together, a point for making friends. <laughs> making and... friends. Oh yeah, 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 I forgot about that. Yes, of course. Yeah, you had the friendship bracelets, uh, you know. Uh, maybe a two. Okay, fine. If you're not especially impressed, we can do, I'll give Sorry. him a three, you can give him a two. Yes. And together he'll get a five out of 20 for Erin Shine. Next category is face of faces. What do you think this man looked like? I haven't really made myself a picture in my head. And now Serial has time to draw. Okay, so Serial has finished their drawing. So let me pick it up and describe it to you all. <laughs> okay, that's very nice. Uh, just, you know, I went a bit like artistic freedom with this one. Yeah, it works. I like it. It's strong. So we have two hands clasped, shaking hands, as if somebody were trying to make a deal, you know. And on the one side, we have Seleucus's hand. There's a nice sleeve with some anchors at the end, you know, good old Seleucid symbols. And on the other side, there is a gnarled, dark hand with flames coming off it, and a laurel wreath around the side of it with an SPQR on it. So, we are making a deal with the devil, and it says, we'll take your firstborn, thank you. So there we go. Salute you know, making good choices. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. So, thank you, Serial, very much. If yeah, anybody wants to check it out, it's on our website. Now let me show Serial what this man actually looked like. Now we're Yay. back to coins because, well, only Antiochus the Great was good enough for a bust. Oh. I mean, understandably so. I guess more people were I mean, interested in him. Yeah, deserved. Oh. So here's Seleucus IV. This is very funny to see like how the features are <laughs> evolving. <laughs> yeah, you can just see father to son, father to son eventually. It's like, ah, yeah. Like, you can see that like some genes keep enhancing themselves further and some others are like receding. <laughs> yeah. And so you have like, ah, yes, this kind of nose or these kind of ears. or I don't know. The proportions are a bit whack, but yeah. sure. <laughs> I mean, everyone has a different yeah, face, happens. so you know. It's a profile with short wavy hair and the diadem, as per usual. A pronounced brow bone with like this kind of dent in the forehead. Smaller nose, big eyes, big sunken eyes, and pouty lips, almost. Just um... <laughs> That's true, it has a little pout there. <laughs> yeah, big ears to the side and then also the chin is rounded and turned upwards and he's got a bit of a fat under the chin and a thick neck yeah it's a fuller face than we've seen earlier but yeah, yeah i like this because they look like people you know i always say it but yeah yeah good stuff it's a particular profile and i'm sure it was based off of what he actually looked like that's nice to see also i've noticed that the curly hair gene is apparently gone disappearing yep, in yep. the last couple of generations. It's like, oh, it's like more flat. <laughs> yeah, it is wavy-ish, like cut into layers, but very short and a bit receding on the top of the head. Mm, that's true. <laughs> okay, so this is what our king looks like. What are your thoughts, Ariel? How impressed are you with eh, this uh, portrait? Not that, not that impressed anymore, I guess. I still like these portraits, but, you know, it's another coin, so... Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what he looked like. What did I give the last coin we had? Last coin was five. 
I think I'll go for a four. A four? Okay, you're going down. I was wondering if to give some bonus points for the pouty lips. <laughs> Which now that you've told me, I'm focusing on Well, actually, on it is intently. a very interesting face. So yeah, I will continue the streak with a five. I think that's fair. I'm wondering if to break it with a six. Hmm. <gasps> Unbelievable. I like his face enough that yes, I'm going to go with a six. So there you go, Salukas. You've earned a six from me and a five from Serial in Face of Faces, making a total of 2.8 out of five. Then our next category is lengthiness. How long do you think this man reigned? Uh, not much. I mean, like, it's a decent amount. I will say, I think this might be too much. Uh, I'll say uh, eight years. Eight years? Actually, the problem here is that we have very few sources and it was 12 uh, years. I've... Well, okay, I was going to be like 10 seems like too much, but I guess, yeah. I wasn't that off. And it was less than 15, so. Yeah, so from 187 to 175, a total of 12 years. So dividing that up by 10, we get a lengthiness of 1.2 out of 5. Hmm. Which takes us to the final score. So adding everything up, we get a total of 21 out of 100 points, which places him just above Sogdianus with 20.1 and just below Darius III with 22.9. So not terribly successful people. All of them ended up murdered. I guess that's something they have in common. They can discuss Mm. that. Sorry. (laughs) So, yeah, not the most impressive Seleucid. He isn't doing terribly, though. He is the one, two, three, four. He's the fifth best Seleucid and the third worst Seleucid. So he's better than Seleucus the second and third. So it's an upward trend for the Seleucuses. But Hmm. besides that, nothing terribly impressive. Which leads us to the final question where I kind of know what Serial is going to say. But (laughs) is he interesting enough? Is he giving his firstborn away enough? Is he <laughs> marrying his sister enough to be a Shahanshah? Or is he just a Shahanshah? I feel like I will forget about him. So, yeah, I'll say Shahanshah. Also, he's just, like, entirely in the shadow of his father, where it's like... Yeah, and also, again, doesn't help that the sources are not really there. Yeah, now that we only know from Rome, and they're saying, yep, we got a son... That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Then the Bible is saying, hey, he tried to steal our stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, Not great. You know, we don't get much great news from him. So, yeah, I think we can safely call him a Shahana. So, sorry, Seleucus, you can head off into the desert, talk to your uncle Seleucus III, and tell him that things got better, but you're not the one who made them get better. Yep, sadly. So there we go. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be around next week again with Antiochus the Child. See how this child ruler does. And if he pulls in Antiochus Third and manages to defeat all his regions and bring the empire to new glory. Or if he pulls in Alexander IV and dies sad and alone as a child. Yeah, now I'm excited. There are many options. I was like, oh, he's a baby. It's find just, out. you know, we, we don't know. It's really about the regent more than the child. Mm-hmm. But, I, well, I've been surprised before. So, you know. Yeah, you can find out. And yeah, so 
dear listeners, if you have the chance, we would appreciate your rating and reviewing the podcast on your podcast app of choice so that more people can know that we're around and enter this wonderful, weird world of people you haven't heard of before, but turn out to actually be pretty cool. <laughs> Indeed. Plus, it's really fun to like hear what your opinions are. So, you know. Rate yes, us and review us wherever nice you want. Or send us a tweet, you know, as long as Twitter is still up. <laughs> and yes. take good care of each other. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. Goodbye.